We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Good morning, everyone. Had enough rain yet? <laughs> That's okay, because you know what will happen. About the middle of July, we'll be saying, where's that rain? Where's that rain? We're going to continue in our series, It's Time to Step Up, and this will be uh, number three. So if you would, turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. <clears throat> Anybody at work ever told you you need to step it up? What do they mean? <laughs> yeah, quit slacking off. Quit messing around. Quit being halfway. 1 John chapter 4. A little bit of a lengthy reading, but uh, it's time to step up. Let's start with verse 12. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love of God that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Understanding that this word love here is the agape love, the love of God that's different than the filio or the eros or any of those. Verse 17, herein is our love made perfect that we may uh, have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. And there is no fear in love, but perfect fear, perfect love casteth out all fear or casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not uh, made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his uh, brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. <clears throat> the Greek word for religion, the Greek word for religion is thraskai, which means a ceremonial observance, a ceremonial worship. And so what I want to talk about this morning just for a little bit is uh, maybe it's time for us to replace our religion. Maybe it's time for us to replace our religion. James 1 and 27 says pure, that word pure, catharsis, uh, means clear or clean, religion, and undefiled. The word undefiled means unsoiled in, in the Greek. Before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless, fatherless and widows in their affliction. Now, the word affliction here in the Greek means anguish or burden or persecution, tribulation, trouble, and, and to keep himself unspotted uh, or unblemished from the world. So we just got a definition of actually what true religion is. And so when we look at the definition of what true religion is, is it time that maybe we change our religion? We change our religion. The definition of religion, religion here, when we read it, is summed up in one word. True religion in God is relationship. It's relationship. It's relationship with Him. It's also relationship with one another. To have true religion means you love one another. It means that you love, you know, the, the question is, how can you love a God you haven't seen if you don't love someone you have seen? If you don't love someone you have seen and you say you love God, 
I mean, John said, you're a liar. So those are things that take into consideration that maybe it's time that we maybe change our religion. I'm convinced that Jesus wasn't about religion as we know it today. Religion as we know it today is totally different uh, than, than the, the understanding that he wanted to give us in the beginning. True religion, as defined, brings about the security through a relationship. True religion, the religion we just described, we just defined in Scripture, brings about a security through a relationship. One of the saddest things to hear people say is, I, I'm not sure of my relationship with God, or I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. I'm not sure if I'm going to make it to heaven. I'm not sure if I'm going to... Have you ever heard people say that? Now, when I say that I, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to make it, that's at this point right now in my life. Because, not because of me, but because of what he said. My relationship with him is such that if he said these things and I follow these things, if I have the relationship, and it's not about a set of rules. It's the biggest problem we have in Christianity today is most Christians, probably 90% of the Christians that observe a relationship, quote-unquote, with God, are doing it by rules. They're not doing it by love. They're doing it by rules. The, the other uh, 9%, that leaves the 1%. So the 90 by rules, the other 9% by fear, and the 1% actually live for God by relationship. That's, that's a pretty strong statement. But when you start talking to people and you try to understand their religion, what you find is it's based on rules, it's based on fear. Most, most religion, we were talking in the back earlier, Bishop brought up a good point. Christianity is the only religion where you can be have a relationship with God. Every other religion, God is way up here and we're all way down here. That's all religion. But in Christianity, and that's the reason Christianity is not really considered a religion, because religion is man seeking God, and we know that Christianity, God sought man. And so, therefore, we're, Christianity, true religion, true Christianity is not really a religion at all, as, as we know of religion today. There is religion in true Christianity, though. We don't want to miss that point. So uh, religion as we know it today actually brings about insecurity. The religion as we know it today brings about insecurity, that we got to perform right. we got to get the do's and the don'ts right. we got to live up our potential right. Or maybe we're not doing enough to be right. And maybe we won't make it because we didn't do that right. And that's really what the basis of religion is today. And I'm thankful that that Christianity is not that type of religion. The only way I'm going to make it to heaven if Jesus saves me. That's the only way I'm going to make it. The only way I'm going to make it is if he saves me. And understand that, you know, Austin and I were having a conversation this week because he discovered something in, in uh, Scripture that, and I said, Austin, I've preached this several, several, several times, but it's the normal thing. When you get it yourself, you get it yourself. He looked up. Uh, happened to be coming across where a, a particular person, Jesus said, you'll be saved. And he, okay, let's look that word up. And that word meant to be delivered, to be made whole, had nothing to do with the spiritual aspect of being born again. Then he realized something. You know what? The word saved means different things in Scripture. And oftentimes in Christianity, modern Christianity, there are those that will use the word saved as, as a reference of I'm, I am born again. And Jesus didn't use the reference of saved and born again in the same process. 
born again is being born of the water and the Spirit. And if we're going to be saved in this, let's give you, for instance, look really quick. You have cancer, and, the, and, and we pray, and God heals you of that cancer. He saved you from cancer. Does that make sense? All right, that has nothing to do with your spiritual, but it will turn your spiritual eye around. If you get, yeah, you get prayed for and you get cured from cancer, it'll turn your spiritual eye around. But that, you know, and so what we have to watch for in Scripture is what words mean. So, so what I'm saying is, is, is this. If I'm going to be saved, and saved is the future tense, what's going to happen in the end, it's not what happens today. No, nobody's saved today. You're saved in the end. The same shall be. Okay, so uh, understand that if I get there, if I have the relationship with him, it, that's how I'm going to get there. And that's what, again, true religion is today. And so I have to look at myself. Is there something about my religion I need to change? Is there some things? Am I doing some things for God because I feel like if I don't, I'm going to get in trouble? See, that's modern tra traditional religion. That's not true in undefiled religion as we just read. It's a whole different thing. So his relationship says, come unto me. The relationship Jesus wants to have with you and me is the what he said in Scripture. Come unto me, all who are burdened, all that are heavy laden. And what did he say? I will give you rest. Call on me and I will answer you. Man, this relationship sounds pretty good to me. Because he's chasing me down. He said, if you just, if you just show up, I'll, here's what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to show you great and mighty things that you don't even know. Whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast them out. Understand that verse gives you a security. Now, I'm not talking about, listen, let me stop right here. Some of you are looking at me like the doctrine of eternal security that we know of in today's religion, I'm not talking about. What I'm talking about is a security that in your relationship with God, you know you're in a relationship with him. So let me ask you this question first. You can yell amen. You can keep your mouth shut. You can rag your head, whatever you want to do. You can do nothing. You have a relationship with him. You have a relationship with God. Because that, without a relationship, everything else is just, you know, it means nothing. No, no amount of do's and don'ts, will and won'ts, can and can'ts, no, matter, no, no amount of that is going to get you anywhere. Matter of fact, you're going to frustrate yourself here, and you're going to be really frustrated later for eternity. And so, again, what are we talking about today? It's time to step up. So uh, religion as we know it today just creates this insecurity. And so let's look at verse 17 again here. Herein is our love made perfect. That word perfect there means complete, finished, that we may hold, have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Again, that perfected means completed, finished, fulfilled, so that there's a boldness in the day of judgment. So when you look at this, you think of, okay, when I stand before God at judgment, there will be a boldness that I can say, oh, no, I made it, God. Well, it's not talking about that at all here in the Scripture. When you look up judgment and you look up all of these things, it's talking about in those times when in this life that you're living now, you will, you will be judged according to things. There will be a boldness in your life in the day of judgment. When those come for you to judge you for being a Christian, there's going to be boldness in your life uh, because as he is, uh, so are we in this world. As Jesus was bold in this world, so will we be. Listen, there's a security in that. The boldness doesn't come out of us. The boldness comes from him. 
And so there's a security in knowing that he has my back. Can we put it that way in modern-day terms, that he has my back? Uh, so maybe it's time for me to replace some of my insecure religion. Maybe it's time for me to change some of my thinking. What happens when you replace your religion with relationship? That's the question. What happens? Well, you gain confidence in your connection with God. When you quit being religious as, a, as according to today and you have relationship, you're, you gain a confidence in your connection to God. Let me ask you a question. Has God ever spoken to you directly? Well, I'm not sure, Pastor. I think back in this particular service back in 1998, I think the Lord spoke to somebody and they gave me a word for, you know, that's fine, that's good. I'm asking if God ever spoke to you directly. How many of you have, have you've had kids? You've had kids. Have they ever spoken to you directly? You understand what that means, right? Has God spoken to you directly? Well, yeah, he has. When, when someone said, no. Because relationship brings a point in our life where Jesus said, you're no longer my servant. You're my friend. A servant is, only speaks when spoken to. A servant only speaks when spoken to, but a friend has the ability to speak before he's spoken to. And so Jesus changed that dynamic in which we, we actually relate with him. We can come. You ever came to God and said, God, why would that happen? Or God, you know, like Jeremiah. Man, you, we talked about that earlier where, where, where Jeremiah said, look, God, you, you told me to go say this, and I went and said it. Nothing happened. Matter of fact, you know what? You, you dried up in front of me, God. You, you, I don't know where you went, but you weren't here. Now, most people would think, man, God must have struck him dead right there. But no. See, what happens is God wants that kind of a relationship with you where you're able to speak and say your heart and be honest, be clear, and be, you know what? Is God going to get angry because you said certain things? He's not going to get angry. God wants that relationship. Our fear because of our religion is that God's going to get angry. He's going to strike me down if I say that, so I'm not going to say it. You know, listen, God already knows you thought it. He already knows you thought it. So now some things we think we shouldn't say, right? But when it comes to God, you know, God wants us to, that, that's the relationship. There's a, there needs to be a confidence. Where the Bible says I can come before the throne of grace with boldness. It doesn't mean I come up there with arrogance. It means that I understand the relationship I have with the one on the throne. Not all kings will let you come into the king's castle and come into the king's throne room and speak to the king before he ever speaks to you. Matter of fact, you do that in most kingdoms, you're going to get your head lopped off. It's disrespectful. But in the kingdom of God, it's the flip. He wants you, come unto me. Come into my throne room, all that are weary and heavy laden. Ask of me and I will get he, Just come to me. Come to the throne room and talk to me about it. That's, that's the, when you get rid of religion and you step out and we step up into relationship, what happens is, is we make a new connection, a connection where we can talk as friends. You ever had a fight with your friend? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, okay. You ever had a fight with God? Everybody's like this. No, he's going to strike me dead. Say, that's religion. You ever had a fight with God? I have. I had a fight with God. God wasn't fighting. I was fighting. God was waiting for me to get done so he could do what God does. He just let me get it out. That's what he wants to say. That's what a good friend will do. If you have a friend that's a real good friend, they'll hear you out. They'll listen to what you have to say. And when you're done, 
They're going to offer you some good advice. They're going to try to help you. They're going to pray. That's a good friend, and that's what a relationship God is looking for with you. He doesn't get upset if you get upset. He doesn't get angry if you get angry. Verse 13 tells us that we dwell in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. See, being spirit-filled is not extra. There's, there's a lot of religion today that says being spirit-filled is extra because there's a difference between being spirit-filled and receiving the spirit. That, that is the teaching that's been going on for some 40 years now with, with a particular group uh, a movement. Be careful here. That it's not necessary that, that when you receive the Lord into your life or you accept the Lord into your life, whatever their dynamic is there, that when you do that, the Spirit automatically comes in. That sounds really nice. I'd really like to believe that, Terry, but it ain't so. It's not what the Scripture says. Now, that, I didn't pick out Terry to say that's what he believes. He's my friend. He let me use him. As... But understand this. being your Spirit-filled. You're full of the Spirit. You've been baptized in the Spirit. You've received the Spirit. Those are all the same thing. There's no, there's no extra on the end. God doesn't give you a little and say, well, if you're good, I'm going to give you a lot. Or if you do the right stuff, I'm going to give you more. Or if you do this, you, no, that, that's not how God operates. He gives you that Spirit. So being, it's not extra. It's not an option. Being Spirit-filled is, is a necessity. That's what a relationship with Jesus Christ is about. Because what is, who is how, what the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. What is the Spirit of God? Who is the Spirit of God? Yeah, it's okay. You can say it. Yeah. Okay, remember a few weeks ago we talked about Elohim? Elohim? What is Elohim? The plurality, the everything that God is. He's not many, many gods, but there's much to the plurality of who and what He is, and that's what the Holy Ghost is. The Holy Ghost is the power dynamic of God, of the Elohim, of and so understand that. That's not an extra. It's something that we, it's the dynamic we get because the, the Bible says that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, is Christ in us. So again, who is the Holy Ghost? Christ in us. Who is Christ? Because there's Antichrist. I, this is a hang-up for Pastor Don. Christ is not a name. What does Christ mean? Anybody? Go ahead, Bishop. The anointed one. The anointed. Do you know there's an anti-Christ? Anti-anointed coming? So when we pray, do we pray? Which Christ do we pray in? Well, I pray in Jesus' name because that's the Christ that I am connected with. And so understand that... that uh, that spirit is Christ in us. Listen, when, when, when we give up religion and when we get into relationship, we become verbal witnesses of this. No apostle that I can find in Scripture went around thinking his relationship to other people. He was, they were very verbal. And nowhere in the Scripture can I find that we as Christians think our relationship with God to other people. So I'm, I'm going to do, do this again. So everybody, please tell me, what am I thinking right now? Anybody? You don't have a clue, right, because I'm thinking a word that you don't even, you wouldn't even, you know, it's a color. So y'all, oh, Jesus, no, that was a color. Because thinking does nothing more than process a thought, but verbalization processes intent. 
it processes the information. And so we verses 14 through 15, and we have seen and do testify. We have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And again, here's another misunderstood scripture. Group I came from said, okay, if you take this scripture, if I confess Jesus is the Son of God, God is in me. you got to understand the context of what we're reading, the context of who is being talked to, and understand there's nothing about repentance here, and yet Jesus said, if I don't repent, I'm going to perish. Understand that there's not an instruction on how to be saved here in verse 15. It's understanding the context of what we're talking about here. Is that, I know you all get tired of my hang-ups, but I have to get them out there. Listen, God wants to bring us into a deep, being a deeper believer. A deeper believer. Are you deeper than you were 10 years ago? Let's hope so. Are you deeper than you were 10 months ago? The heads are going to start. Are you deeper than you were 10 weeks ago? How about 10 days ago? God continues in us to be deeper and deeper as a believer. And what does that mean by deeper? It means to get into the deep things of God, the deep waters of God, to understand the, the premise of relationship. It's great to have doctrine, but Christianity is not about doctrine. It's about relationship. And what happens in relationship is that you begin to understand and live doctrine or the teaching. Doctrine is teaching the teachings of Jesus Christ. But you don't come to Jesus Christ through doctrine. You know, our group that we just came from, you, there was a certain verse. And, man, if you just did that verse, you had a relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, if you obey the doctrine, that's one thing. But if you get into the relationship, that's a whole other thing. Now, that particular verse would bring you into relationship. But what do you do from there? Can I say it? Well, you know, some of you get mad at me, but I'm going to say it. Look this up later. Acts 2.38 is not a doctrine of salvation. It's a door into relationship. Acts 2.38 gets you into the kingdom of God which the king, that we live in right now. That's what that verse does. It, it gets you into this kingdom. It doesn't bring you to a place of salvation because there are people in the Bible that got into the kingdom that wound up walking and leaving God. So what we have to be very careful of is that we establish a doctrine as a relationship. Doctrine is only established after the relationship begins. There are many that followed Jesus when he walked the earth. But when certain things started happening, what did they do? They ceased to follow him. Why is that? Well, when it came time for relationship, that doctrine turned them off. It wasn't the doctrine they wanted to hear. And so doctrine didn't bring them a relationship. What brought them a relationship was not the doctrine. Just let, let it sink in for a second. Remember that old cell phone commercial, Can You Hear Me Now? Y'all remember that? Man, how old is that, 25 years? Can you hear me now? In cell phone, can you hear me now? You, listen, you don't have to worry about that kind of connection with God. God will bring you into a place of known connection, of, of, of secure connection with Him, that you can talk to Him and you'll talk. That's what happens when you get rid of old religion. It gives you an understanding that I can talk to God and he doesn't have to tell Pastor Don to tell me. You know, there, there, there are lots of churches where the pastor, listen, don't, you know, if you need to hear from God, let me know and I'll pray and God will tell me and I'll come back and tell you. 
That's called one thing, control. It leads into some very serious situations. When you replace your religion with relationship, you become confident in the protection God gives you. Are you confident that God protects you? I believe he puts angels. I'm asking that question. Are you confident he protects you? Well, yeah, he's, his hand's over here. I'm not asking you that question. You're confident that he protects you. The, listen, the older I get, the more I realize I need the protection of God. You know, I didn't realize this as much when I was a young person, when I first got married, when I first had kids. But as I got older, I be, as the older I got, I realized, man, I really need the protection of God in my life. And that protection state will take me right through through the judgment day. It says here that part of that protection is it takes us through to that place. And listen, you realize you're going to sit in a judgment, right, somewhere? You're going to sit in a judgment somewhere. Now, it could be the judgment seat of Christ for your rewards, or it could be that white throne judgment where you don't want to be. But you're going to be in judgment somewhere. So understand that throughout your life, you're in judgment, not, not just the end of your life. Because a lot of us think of judgment as either the end of my life when I go to the white throne, I mean, go to the uh, judgment seat of Christ, don't want to go, or the end of time when those that go to the white throne. But there are judgments that you pass through in your life constantly. And there's a boldness and a clarity and a protection God gives you in those judgments. Believers will sit at that judgment seat of Christ and, and be thankful for that protection. I'm protected because of who I know, and I'm protected because of who I know, and I'm protected because of who I know. As well, he protects me from the fear of death. What, I was going to ask the question, what is the greatest fear of humanity? Death. Why is that? Well, there's no confidence on what's on the other side. A lot of times we're fearful of things because we've never experienced it, right? That, that makes sense. You know, then when you experience something, you find out, man, that wasn't so bad. You know, that's the way death's going to be for Christians. That wasn't so bad. Matter of fact, look at this. But there's a fear of death in our life as we walk through death or walk through life that God wants to keep us from. If we don't, again, if we don't know what lies ahead, it can cause a great fear. What we have to understand is if we believe his word in relationship, then what that does is that brings us a confidence to take away the fear of what death is really about. Because death is nothing but a door. It's nothing but a door. We hang on to life because built into us is this thing, a desire to live as a human. So there's a, there's a desire to live in all of us. That's why people struggle when they die. There's just, you know, survival. It's innate in us. But then there are those that take it a step further. They want to live because of what they got. They want to live with what they have in their hand, or they want to live because they want to do this, and they haven't done that, and there's a thing in their life of regret. So there's a lot of fear in death because of other things other than what death really is. And, and listen, part, part of the protection you have, it's just the protection of being fearful of death. Do I want to die today? No. I mean, I, I got a wife, and I got kids, and I got a grandson. I got all, all this stuff. You know, no, do I want to die? Am I, I'm a, am I afraid if I do die? Absolutely not. I'm not afraid if I die today. And it's not because of me. It's because of who I know and because of what he said. So are, are we all without excuse before God? Nope, nobody can have any. Okay. So you, you, you can't simply ignore God, and you can't plead ignorance before God. You ever tried that one? I, I, listen, Pastor Don has tried it all. There was an avenue I was at least going to drive to the stop sign. 
And when you try to make this deal or an excuse or make a plea with God about why this shouldn't that happen, listen, it never works. It just never works because God's not going to ignore who we are and what we do. He's not going to ignore it. Listen, the only way to miss the punishment that was originally designed simply for the devil and his angels, hell, the, 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 the lake of fire, all of that, that was not designed for any human. But the Scripture says at some point that hell hath enlarged herself. Why is that? Because there's more devils? Because Satan got bigger? Hell has, has enlarged itself because some of us humans decided we would get, rather go there. And so... Listen, there's no excuses. We, you know, we're, but the way to escape that is to have the confidence in God. It, it alarms me, the number of Christians that I talk to, that don't have the confidence. I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm not talking about, well, I'm a good Christian. That, that's not confidence. That, that's ignorance. That's not arrogance. That's ignorance. None good but God. I'm talking about the confidence. In the, if God said this, and I follow what God said, then if he said this would happen, my confidence is God's not a liar. You realize God inspects your life? Part of getting rid of religion is understanding. In religion, everything is about God's inspection of our life. Our do's and don'ts, wills and won'ts, what we said and didn't say, all of those things. That's what our religion today is about. But that's not true religion. Understand this. God does inspect our lives on a daily basis. And, and, and like most of the time, it's like the military, it's a surprise inspection. God's not surprised. We are. It's a surprise to us, not God. Verse 20. Let's look at verse 20. If a man say, this, let me give you an inspection here. This is an in, this, and the Bible is full of inspections that God does. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he's a liar. Well, that's... That's enough right there. That's enough right there. Man, you know, that's going to take down a lot of, a lot of people saying that I love God, but I, but I hate, you know, I hate my brother. He inspects my love. That's what he's saying here, that, I, that I, I love because he first loved me. Listen, Jesus didn't wait for me to love him first. He loved me first. And that's his expectation for me as his child with other people. I, I can't wait for others to love me first and then love them. I've got to love them even though they might despise me. Hate, they might use me. They may hate me. They, I still need to love them because that's what Jesus did. And that's the expectation. That's, that's what the deal here is in verse 20 is, listen, understand this. God inspects your life, and you say, I'm a lover of God, but then you hate. Then, then I, can I, I'm, I'm not, John said this. I didn't say it. Okay, Pastor Don didn't say this. I'm going to repeat what John said, and then you can talk to God because God had it put in his book. If you say that and you do that, you're a liar. Anybody ever called you a liar? That was, yeah, that, start, that spoke to fight with me. You called me a liar, you're saying I'm not telling you the truth, and I might have been lying out of my teeth. But I don't want to be called a liar. Call me something else. Because that, that's a strong word. You, you read it, and you look at it, and you study it, and you, the connotation, it's a very strong word. It's God, he, he wants us to love first. See, a religious person, religion today, a religious person has no desire or no reason to love those who refuse to keep their ritual. Let me say that again. 
religion today, a religious person, has no desire or reason to love anybody who refuses to keep their ritual. You be like me, or, you know, I don't love you. You're not like me. Yeah. So here's the, here, here bears the question. And this is a tough one. Not only are we to, to love those that, we're to love our enemy. Now, he, notice it didn't say here, if, if you say you love God and you don't, and you hateth your enemy, said your brother. Notice that. But we're, Jesus took it a step. He said we're to love our enemy. It's an agape love. It's a love that precedes us, goes before us, and it's a love that comes after us because it's not a love that comes from us but comes from God through us. So God inspects. He inspects our lives. God inspects my relationships. When I, when I throw religion away and get into relationship, then God looks into those. Are you still in 1 John? Flip back. Flip back just a couple of pages. 1 John. Look at chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 9. Because he's now inspecting my relationship. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. So not only are you a liar, you're in darkness. That's an inspection of a relationship here. A relationship between who? You and your brother. And your relationship between you and your brother greatly affects your relationship between you and God. It greatly affects. Jesus said, listen, if you can't forgive your brother, I can't forgive you. And it's not because I'm not able. It's because you're stopping me. You're putting the brakes on my forgiveness. Look over to chapter 3, verse 10. In this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Man, that's big in this chapter. Boy, John must have had issue with brother or some brother had issue with him because he talks about it constantly in this chapter. Notice what it says in the first part. In this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. What's he saying? <laughs> if you don't act in the righteousness and the love of God, if you do act in the righteousness and the love of God, you're a child of God. If you don't, you're a child of who? Yeah, that's pretty straightforward, isn't it? That's pretty... Listen... You... We all have these things in it. You can hide your hate from groups and people and nobody know it, but you can never hide it from God. He knows if you hate. Do I have issue with, with groups? There are groups of people I have issue with. I have issue with. There are groups of people that have issue with me. I understand that. But I don't hate them over it. I have issue. What's the best way to take care of an issue? conversation and you know what conversation does when there's issue some of the some of the best friends i've had in my life are people i had issue with first that had issue with me first that we wound up becoming good friends because what did we do we took that issue and made a relationship out of it we talked it through talked it out we found out how ignorant either one of us was or both of us didn't matter and then we built relationship from that point we became very good friends that's craziness isn't it but that's how it works that's how it works we got to be willing to Talk about it. See, the people you hate, the only talk you give them is what? <laughs> Please don't tell me you cuss them out. Don't. 
The only talk you give somebody you hate is what? It's everything's. I've never any, anything that I've ever hated, man. When bees sting me, I, mm, I never say a good word to that bee. Matter of fact, you know what I try to do? Kill him. Oh no, no, it's much deeper than that, Beth. I try to kill him. Now, here's the thing about what Jesus said about hate. When you hate, you destroy a person. When you speak words that are wrongly spoken, and you never speak good words and right words about somebody you hate, right? So you're going to speak wrong words that are wrongly spoken, and you assassinate their character because you hate them. And we have to be careful of that. What got quiet? Bishop, you have... Yeah. Even though you're supposing that you have the right relationship, because you're the hater, you actually are the evil. Because there is no hate in God. None. Oh, but Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. Look up the word hated, and you see what it really means. It doesn't mean the hated we're talking about. That word in the old means loved less. Look it up. Now it makes sense, doesn't it? Because he said from, from the beginning, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. But Jacob have I loved, Esau have I loved less. Why did he love? Can God love less? What happened? Jacob was a man after God and after Esau was a man after flesh. That's why, there was, you know, when you're after the flesh, you're blocking God's love. Esau blocked the love of God and all that was before him because of that. So, God inspects my obedience. God inspects my obedience. Do you know why the armed forces demand absolute obedience? Think about it a second. It's a very simple answer. The armed forces, be disobedient in the armed forces and see what happens. Yeah, they don't come up and say, now, don't do that again. That's not what happens. When they're done, you're going to say, I'll never do that again when they're done with you. Why, why, do they, why do they? Because it's life and death situations that they're being presented with. You're going to be obedient to me because in the life and death situation, I'm going to tell you the direction to go. And if you're not obedient, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get killed or someone else is going to get killed. And you know what? Christianity is the same way. We have to be in obedient to word and obedient to God because this is life and death. This is life and death. Maybe not for you and me. But it could be for somebody outside. My obedience or the lack thereof may be the difference between life and death and someone's spirit outside of here. I may be the person God sent to, in their life to lead them to Him. And if I'm not obedient, I may be the person that God wanted that person to look at and look at me. Maybe they never saw me. Maybe it's a neighbor that never spoke a word to me, but they kind of watched me. Right? The person says they're a Christian. Let's just see. And if I'm not obedient, my actions will speak something different to them. Life and death situations. When you truly begin to study God's Word, here's what you discover. There's a predominance of the denominal world that lives in religion. When you really start studying God's Word, you realize that the predominance of the denominations in Christianity are living in today's religion. 
It's all about fear. It's all about rules. It's all about do's and don'ts, wills and wants. If I do enough, I'll make it. And if I don't, well, that's what happens. That is the predominance. The, the predominance of the Christian movement today is ceremonial observances. Let me give you an example. When we came here last week, when you came in last week, you came in, let's just say you didn't make Sunday school, you came in for service. What happened? See, Don cut it short, but there are observances that we have, and there's nothing wrong with us having plans, right? It's foolish not to have a plan. God had a plan. But when we have ceremonial observances, we are religious. When we do the same thing week in, week out, week in, week out, it's just a ceremony now. And what happens with ceremonies? They're nice in the beginning, but every time you have it, you lose a little more and a little more and for the reason of the ceremony. It just becomes about the ceremony and not about the reason. And so what, if we're not careful, we'll be ceremonial in what we do when we come here. Last week, do you know how many songs we sang? I'm holding up my fingers. You know, as a pastor, I, I never want us to come to a place of cere- observing the ceremony. Observing the ceremony. I will never want to come to the place where, you know, I, I know it would freak you all out if today when they started cranking up, I started preaching. When they started singing, I just got up and started preaching. It, it freaks some of you out. Some of you'd walk out, and some of you'd say, "Man, that's new." Some of you'd say, "Man, Don's man, he's messed up. Do you have a stroke? What's wrong? He's he's picked the wrong time to preach." All kind of thoughts are going the right. Why? Because it's not ceremonial. It's not something we do week in and week out. Now, does that mean we get crazy? That's not what we're talking about. If I start doing cartwheels around here, call the ambulance. There's nowhere in Scripture it says do cartwheels for Jesus. So if I'm doing cartwheels, that means either something bit me or I'm having a severe mental problem. Call the ambulance. That's not the kind of stuff I'm talking about. But I'm talking about our, you know, ceremonial observances don't start in church. They start at home. They start at home. When we become ceremonial, observing the details of the ceremony. Living ceremonial lives in religion. There are some people that will do the same thing week in and week out, week in and week out. Week in. Why is that? Because if they think they do that, then they've done all the do's correctly, and they get to make it to heaven. S- living ceremonial religion. Many of us came from some form of denomination. Most of us came from some form of denomination here in the United States. Our lives were constructed by the misunderstanding of Scripture by teachers and preachers. My life up until I was 20, 21 years old was constructed by a few pastors that, and Sunday school teachers that taught me things. And because what they taught me, a lot of it, they misunderstood Scripture. I don't think they did it on purpose. I don't think they said, okay, here's Don. Let's really mess him up. Let's give him some off the wall. I don't think they were thinking that way. But they misunderstand Scripture. Our, God, our connection to God in my days then, was based on what the denomination taught. My connection to God in my denomination was based on what they taught me, not what I got out of the book. 
not what I learned, not what I prayed over, not what I studied. It came out, and that's what denominations do. You understand. Can I, do you mind if I use mine? I'm almost done. My denomination I came from with anybody being offended. My, my denomination was Southern Baptist that I came from. And so everything we did was taught under the instruction of the Southern Baptist Convention. And that's the conglomerate of all the Southern Baptist Church have a convention. They have a president. They have all of this stuff. And, and so this is what we believe and teach and preach. Sounds pretty good so far, right? I mean, it's pretty good if men get together and women get, you know, get together and say, this is what we're going to believe. In. <clears throat> the problem is when you misunderstand a scripture, your convention gets way off kilter. And a simple word like the word saved, saved, can throw your whole denomination right out of kilter with God. One simple word. <clears throat> Why is Because our relationship begins with him and continues among us. It can't begin with us and then continue into him. But what the denominal world does is that they want you to come into their relationship of their convention, and then by that you will have the connection with God. That's why it's called a denomination. Understand, that's not biblical at all. And so I'm not here to down the denominations. What I'm telling you is that's why they exist. It's because they miss the point of relationship. They're living today's religion. So maybe it's time I need to replace some of Yeah, I came out of that. Man, I came right into the UPC. I had Bible school teachers. Well, we're not a denomination. Pardon me? Do we have a convention? It's in Mecca. Well, yeah, we have a convention. The, the, big, the big house is in St. Louis. And we have a convention every year so that we can tell everybody what they should preach and teach. You know how I know that? I turned my card in that I had with them. You know why I turned my card in that I had with them that I could preach in their UPC? Because they sent me a letter. And they said, this is what you're going to agree to preach and teach. If you don't, you can't be a pastor. And... Excuse me? I just cut my card, sent it in along with the letter. I didn't say anything nasty. Didn't do anything. I just walked away. Because that is not the relationship God's looking for. Fervent, fervently studying God's Word, fervently praying, and fervently living in God's purpose, that's really what religion is. I've been astounded in my own life at the misrepresentation of Scripture in my past. Pastor, you think you know it all now? Absolutely not. But let me tell you something. When I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, what God said in His Word about being led and guided into all truth began right then. And there was truth that I began to understand in Scripture that I never understood previous, even though I had read that same Scripture a thousand times. I didn't understand. Why is that? Because I now had a relationship with the God of heaven. And because of that, I was now going to understand some truth. Today, I'm constantly challenging myself not to continue in my view of myself, but in God's view. Pastor Don has certain views and certain ideas about things that I'm still struggling through. Y'all don't look at me like that. So are you. If you're not, I would suggest you get out of religion and get into a relationship because God's going to reveal those things to you. The things that I used to think were very necessary, but I struggled with it until God revealed it through, through truth. So understand that. If God's not revealing truth to you, you need to back up and get out of religion because you're in religion. You're not letting God reveal to you the things you need. To, and, and, and let God challenge you. Be challenged. I don't any longer want to be religious. I want to be in a relationship. 
Any questions? Any thoughts? I don't care. You're mad at me. You might. It's okay. As long as we have a relationship, you can be mad. That's all. All right. God bless you. Let's take a little time before worship. Time to step up. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.